I'm going to be talking to you about the preacher's aim. What is your objective as a minister of the gospel? And more importantly, not just a minister of the gospel, but a preacher of the gospel. Paul considers himself, he tells Timothy on two separate occasions that he calls himself an apostle, a preacher, and a teacher of the Gentiles. So that's a threefold description. An apostle, a preacher, and a teacher. Notice that Jesus himself also continued or started that great work. Jesus came preaching the gospel, teaching in the synagogues, and healing all various forms of diseases. He starts in Galilee. Then he goes to all the cities where he's preaching, teaching, and healing. This describes that threefold ministry of Jesus, proclamation, discipleship, healing. Paul picks up this ministry, and this is why he tells Timothy that I am an apostle, a preacher, and teacher of the Gentiles. So I wanted to give that as a background, because tonight when we're looking at the preacher's aim, it's so important that you know that it is Christ himself that we are preaching. My life verse is, Him we preach. Him we preach. You have to understand that Christianity is ultimately about Jesus. It's about him. We're not, Peter says it this way. He says, the man, Christ Jesus. He says, the man I preached to you. Paul says, I was persuaded to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. Paul goes, he, he describes the in, in, entire preacher's message as he sums it up with just him it's jesus that we preach could that be said of us could that be said of our messages this is what we call a sodality a, a single focus this is what i call christocentric theology i always ask myself am i preaching and teaching christ Spurgeon says that just as any road can lead to Rome, so all sermons must ultimately lead to Christ. He, as E. Stanley Jones says, is the means, the motive, and the end of our teaching and our proclamation. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, we labor and strive mightily. And the same power that was in Christ works in me to accomplish it. This is our mandate. This is the preacher's aim. To uplift and proclaim Jesus. If you, if you notice the gospel narrative, it starts over and over again. When people have an interaction with Jesus, it always affects their speech. The angels, the magi, the shepherds, Elizabeth. Joseph, Mary, every one of them that has an interaction with Jesus, they're automatically beginning to be like little preachers and little little heralds and, 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 and gospel givers and, and, and ministers. They begin to share exuberantly with glad tidings of great joy. They cannot contain it. This is core to who we are. When you have an experience with Jesus, you cannot help. As the apostle said, we cannot help but speak about all the things that we've seen and heard. This is the preacher's aim, to be so in love with Jesus that we cannot help but talk about him. 
F.W. Gorham says, if we're going to win the world to Christ, it is because we're going to enjoy Jesus. So this is our aim. This is, this is so, number one is so important. Him we preach. Not a political agenda. Hello, that's current events. Not a philosophy. Not a conspiracy. Not your outlook. Not your wisdom. Not your colloquialisms. Not your antidotes. Christ. Guys, in your composition of your sermons, when, you, when you're going to minister to people, when you're going to talk to them on a one-on-one basis, evaluate yourself on that simple fact. Did I bring Christ? Am I, did I bring Jesus? Did I share about him? Did I uplift who he is and what he has done? Now, I know that sometimes we're teaching thematically, and you might be in a Bible book, or you might be teaching Old Testament history, or you might be giving marital advice, but I, I beg you, preach, teach. Uplift Jesus. Let him be the means, the motive, and the end. Let him be the sole subject matter. Paul says, I was persuaded to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. I did not come to you with persuasive words, with demonstrations of the power of the Spirit. And wherever you're uplifting Jesus, the Holy Spirit is always with you. When Jesus describes the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he says, he will testify of me. He will not speak of his own behalf. Whenever you're uplifting Jesus, whenever you're proclaiming the, the majesty and the wonder of who, he's it, who he is, the Holy Spirit is not far behind. So number one, him we preach. Not our agendas, not, 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 not our, you know, we're not pushing a church or a denomination. We are Christians, little Christs. Him we preach. Everything will try to distract you from this. Everything will try to distract your focus, your finances, your attendance, all of, all of the, the, the issues that come up. Well, they're having marital issues or they're having social issues or racial tensions or family issues. All these issues are going to come up and they're going to jockey for the attention of your message. Focus on the gospel, Kai. Let me explain it to you very carefully. Without Jesus, there is no gospel. Without Jesus and who he is, he himself is the good news. The gospel is not a work separate and apart from Christ. It's Christ himself. Salvation is not a work separate and apart from Christ. It's Christ himself imparted to the believer. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Paul says. We must preach Christ and him crucified and resurrected. Number two, so important. We, we preach not ourselves. We preach not ourselves. Let me read that for you in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and 
ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge and glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? For it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Real simply, Think back to the historical framework where this book was given. In the New Testament, you had three worldviews and three powers. You had the Greek, you had the Hebrew, and you had the Roman. The Hebrew ideal was light. That was their highest focus. Hebrews were focused on light. The, the law of the Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You think of the menorah, the seven candlesticks. Jews had an asso- a, a fascination with light. Paul, uh, excuse me, John, the beloved, who was a Jew, said God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. The Jews had a a fascination with light. The Greeks had a fascination with knowledge. That's where we get the entire learning system, the academic system of the Greeks. The Romans had a, a, a fixation on glory. They wanted the glory of the Roman Empire to cover the earth. But look what this passage says. For God has commanded the light to shine in the darkness. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In what? In the face of Jesus Christ. There you have it. Light, knowledge, glory. All found in the face of Jesus Christ. Everything that the ancient world was looking for was found ultimately in the face of Jesus. We preach not ourselves. Not what we think our culture needs. Our culture here needs Jesus. I wonder how how God could sum up what the American culture is looking for. Would it be freedom? Security? How would God describe our culture? I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that. But what I do know is what we need is found of Jesus. We preach not ourselves. We preach not our agendas, not our philosophies. We preach Christ Jesus the Lord. Number three, this is so important as a preacher. This is so important. Your life is hid with Christ in God. If you understand the ministry of Jesus, he described himself so Eloquently, he said, I can do nothing of myself. This is the Son of God. This is Emmanuel. Jesus says, I can do nothing of myself. I only do what I see my Father do. I only speak what I hear my Father speak. You have to understand, in the same way that Jesus proceeded from from the very bosom of the Father, from the very presence of the Father, in the same way Jesus hid himself there. It was not his works. The works that I do are not mine. They are my father's works. The words that I say, they are not mine. They are my father's words. Even as a little boy, I I came to do my father's business. You see, Jesus' life was hid in the father. You see this? I come to do the will of the father. I go to return to my father. You know, when he raises Lazarus from the dead, everyone always focuses on that point. I love the prayer. Oh, righteous Father, 
the world has not known. But I have. Jesus hid himself in the prophet and models for us how we are to hide ourselves. Paul tells us, your life is hid with Christ in God. It's in the same way that Jesus hid himself in the Father, we are to hide ourselves in Christ. It is not to be about us, our agendas, our popularity. It is not to be our namesakes. It is not to be, we're not to be popular. We're not to be known. It is that Christ would be glorified. Christ would be esteemed. That Christ's words would be spread. We're not to come up with snazzy messages. Our new sermons are to be, our names not to be in the light. We are to be faithful and uplift Christ. In the same way that Jesus hid his life in the Father, we hide our life in Christ. Paul tells us this in Colossians on the page. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Paul says again in Galatians, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me. You see this? I am crucified with Christ. My life is hid with Christ in God. I'm acceptable in the beloved. I'm in and I'm not out. And from that position, we're able to serve and minister with confidence, knowing that we're not relying on our own strength, but we have a divine well of resources, which is the Holy Spirit inside of us. He who believes in me, out of his heart will spring forth a well, springing up to everlasting life. This is the source of our ministry, is our life is hid with Christ, and Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Number four, our ultimate aim. Our ultimate aim. I'm borrowing here from the Apostle Paul in the epistle to the Philippians. He's writing from jail. He's writing from jail. And this is a, a famous, famous, famous verse that many people have preached and done wonderful job with it. So I'm not going to belabor the point. But turn with me to Philippians in the third chapter. in the third chapter. Paul puts this as his aim, his, his goal, his focus. Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That I might know him. Intimacy with Christ as the highest ideal. Intimacy with Christ is the preacher's aim. Think of Paul. He knows Jesus enough to write large sections of the New Testament, but he puts his aim, his goal, to know Jesus more. Oh, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. saying here that that the crucifixion of his master is his aim. That it, he is wanting to walk the same road that Jesus walked. Now if we did an honest inventory of, of why we want to be in ministry and service to Jesus, how many of us would put as our primary aim 
to be crucified as if Jesus was crucified. And yet Paul, describing his motive, oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. There are things that Jesus can of our motives. Paul says some people preach Christ for dishonest gain. They make a business out of it. We're seeing this in our, in our generation. Now I believe more than ever in the history of mankind. People are making a, a, a business off of the proclamation of the gospel. Paul says some people preach Christ for dishonest gain and other people preach Christ for contention constant arguments constant debates no peace but Paul makes a statement he says but nevertheless Christ is preached that doesn't give credence to the prosperity gospel and it doesn't give credence to the railers out on the street corner who are constantly in auto rebuke mode. But it says that any message is better than no message. And the real rebuke there, I believe Paul is giving, is to the silence of the church. No contention. No prosperity, but nevertheless, the gospel is proclaimed, Christ is preached. It speaks of our motives. Why do you do the things you do? And who do you do them with? In conclusion, I want us to look at a great protection from deception. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians in the 11th chapter, he says, be, watch out, be mindful, beware. He says, but I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by the craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The preacher's aim is simplicity. Simplicity. We want to make it so sophisticated. We want to make it so complicated. We want to speak with such eloquence. We want to speak with uh, great skills, and we want to, you know, tantalize and say all of it and show off all of our vocabulary. And we want to make it so profound. And and that's not. That's not good. That's just. As Paul says in Galatians, to make a great showing in the flesh. We have to be mindful of that. As a, as a preacher, more than ever, we have to be mindful of, of, of our appearance. Remember, remember, our life is hid with Christ and God. And, and so many young ministers 
They feel this obligation to come up with something new, to come up with something that, 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 that is new and exciting. And, and our, our job, our role is not to come up with anything new, but it's to faithfully, humbly, reverently transmit what was entrusted to us. Our job is to pass it to the next generation accurately, humbly, reverently, with the fear of the Lord, and not to create new. You know, my, one of the men who mentored me says, if it's new, it's not true. Like, if, if you're the first person to ever have this revelation, you're wrong. Because there's 2,000 years of godly men and women who have been being led by the Spirit of God. So if you're ever, like, completely the outlier in right field, you're just wrong. simplicity of Christ. We must keep it simple. We must keep it simple. You know, I'm reminded of a, a, a minister who I respect greatly. His name is E. Stanley Jones. And have I told you the story of his first sermon? He studied hours, hours, labored over his messages, wrote it all out, practice it, practice it, had all these references and all of these famous theologians he was going to quote, and he gets up and about five minutes into his introduction, before all of these ministers and all of these preachers, he mispronounced a word. It was a big word that he had read in a book, and he had put it in his sermon to impress people, but he mispronounced it, and a woman on the front row began to laugh. He was so embarrassed about mispronouncing a word. He got so flustered, he lost his place in his sermon. He literally realized he lost his place. He realized everyone was staring at him. And he got so flustered that he grabbed his notes and walked away from the pulpit. He ran out red-faced, embarrassed, feeling like he was a complete failure and made it all the way to the parking lot. Holy Spirit very quietly said, have I done something to you? And he goes, yes, Lord. Can you tell the people that? Yes, Lord. And that revolutionized his entire ministry. No longer was he working to impress men, but he was there to testify to what Jesus had God doesn't need a lawyer. He doesn't need a preacher. He just needs a witness. And we always minister first from what Jesus has done in our lives, from our personal experience, what we have read in the word, what the word has done, that implanted word, which is able to save our soul on the inside. We take that and we minister to the people. Hear me now. You cannot preach what you do not have. It will be hollow. It will be like children dressing in their parents' clothes. Everyone will see right through you. But if you know Christ and love Christ, if you trust him and obey him, you'll be able to preach him 